Hello and welcome to or welcome back to the Fun Filtered Podcast. I am Sam and I am joined as ever by Jordan. Hello. And Eddie. Hello. You alright? I'm alright. I'm alright. So, 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 you're going you're gonna to throw it on to me to say, aren't you? No, no. Well, I'll tee it up. Uh, um, we have a, a big announcement um, today on the podcast. Yes. I'm trying not to, because generally when people say we have a big announcement, it's kind of geeing up, uh, you know, surprise, isn't it? Anticipation. But this is a, this is a downbeat announcement. We yes. Have, yes. We have an announcement it's... today on the podcast. <laughs> Um, You're still going to make me laugh when you do it like that, though. <laughs> this this will be this will be Eddie's final episode. <gasps> dun dun dun! <laughs> <laughs> it's better than you being um, downbeat, going. Um, Eddie will continue to be on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that that merits an announcement. Yeah. Um, yes. Yes. Uh, f- final episode. I've I've got to to take care of myself mm-hmm. a bit better. Obviously, I was away for a few weeks earlier in the year. Because mm-hmm. uh, of, well, I, I say a seizure, seizure problems, shall we say. Yes. It's the aftermath of the last sort of thing, which I'm still dealing with. Mm-hmm. And I need to focus on taking care of that and yes. getting myself 100% fully fit. Yes. And that does not include continuing to do the podcast. And so we are bidding you farewell. Indeed. Sad, sad, sad occasion. <laughs> it, it is. Have you enjoyed your time with us? Oh, are you I'm glad to... No, glad no, to I've enjoyed it massively. Mass, absolutely massively. I did say... Um, I, I spoke to my mother uh, last night. I told her. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, the only thing is... Because I, do, I don't listen when it's me on it. So you, you will gain a listener. Because I will listen every <laughs> oh, week now because we I'm not on it. Oh. Um, oh, we're glad you're going now. We'll get our numbers up. <laughs> Boost the viewership. I'll still con- continue to like it on every different thing I have and yeah. share it. Good, good. But yes, uh, no final final episode. But we're gonna we're gonna go out on a high, and we're gonna have a good laugh for yes. the final episode. Well, hopefully, yeah. Well, no no pressure. You're you're the reason. You're the reason that uh, the podcast exists. Yes, realistically, aren't it's you? the fact that because I thought about this, it starts obviously from when we started the scripted. Mm. and we i came to you obviously to do an episode and we didn't have another host and we we're like oh just, we're waiting for jordan and then jordan came on and he went no this makes sense the three of us let's do this yeah mm. and then obviously it's continued under that guy's as the yeah three of jordan us. was never planned to be we ne- to be a part of this was he oh i resisted didn't yeah. I? <laughs> I, I resisted on that first yeah. episode yeah. didn't want to be a part of it i actually i sent you a text eddie that you was like for you to read i i was like doing it in the and like oh i'm this you know long time listener of the show love you guys love what you do i was curious about and i asked you like this really stupid yeah, question i remember and you were like well um we'll discuss it when you get here later and i thought like oh he's just being silly but mm. then you were like no no you're on the podcast <laughs> yeah, you do. Like, oh, that was a joke i didn't want to yeah, yeah, on and now here we are. Do you lament that, Jord, or are you happy that uh, we dragged you <laughs> onto the air? Well, now that now that like the growing pains are sort of subsiding, and it's it's more clear what this podcast is. Yeah, I feel a bit better about it because initially I thought like, what the fuck are we going to talk about? What the fuck yes. am I going to say? Yeah, I mean, um, we still have weeks like that. It's fine. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that was just proof of it. Yeah. <laughs> It's right proof. There. I'm literally looking at the list I've got. I still don't know what we're talking about first. So okay. 
So now that we've got that dark cloud hanging over the episode, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, 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 we're going to lose a person. Um, let's get to it. Let's 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 have a good old episode. <laughs> we are not the people. This is just it's so like E three, isn't it? <laughs> it's just, we are not the people you bring out to stir up excitement. No. Yeah. Um, um, okay, right. Should we do a film review first? No, George, you had a question. You George, to yeah, ask you got us. a question, George. I do have a question. Yes. Yeah, um, I was thinking about this earlier in the week. If there was, if you found out that there was a way uh, where you could gain ten IQ points, mm. but at the cost of an inch of your dick, right? Would you take it? No. No, I wouldn't have a dick then. <laughs> <laughs> Me and you were on the same wavelength there, Sam. <laughs> um, exactly the same wavelength. No, I don't. I think um, I'm happy with my IQ. Okay. I think adding to it would just cause more problems for me. Right. Uh, I was talking to my father uh, about this the other day, actually. Not about IQ, but about I think my mind is quite powerful in both bad and good ways. Okay. And mainly in bad ways. In that, like, I can invent you know, terrors that don't exist and I can make them real. Right. Um, so I think if you added... IQ points, it would just make that more okay tangible. What if it worked the other way around? So you would gain an inch of your dick, but you would lose 10 IQ points. Would you consider that? Yes. No, I'll <laughs> tell you why, right? This is... You brought up IQ, so this isn't a brag, right? Okay. Uh, my IQ, it's just, like, it, it is just on genius. <laughs> right. Like, okay. I get to genius by one point, basically, or two points, depending on which one you do. Mm. So if I lost those points, I wouldn't technically be a genius anymore. But it's not. It's not like it's not like oh, there's genius and there's idiot. There's like no, there's of like course. smartness underneath genius. But if if your IQ was classified as genius, would you want to lose points and not be a genius anymore? No. Well, that's the question, isn't it? Because that that's the subtext of this question. What do you value more? Do you like your dick or your intelligence? Well, I mean, um, my dick doesn't get much action as it is, so I, I, you know. <laughs> My intelligence is definitely carrying most of the load. <laughs> so I suppose, uh, I va- yes, I value my intelligence more than the size of my penis. Yes. Okay. How many IQ points would you have to lose mm. for you to start, like, for it to start mattering? If we're going on this, on this exchange system where it's like yeah. one IQ point for 10, no, 10 IQ points for one inch. Right. Like how many inches How many would I have to lose? Have to like, gain? okay, that'd be fair enough. Um, it depends how high your IQ is already, really. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the point is none, right? Like, it wouldn't matter how big <laughs> my penis was. It's it's not going to fundamentally change anything. No? It wouldn't make me all of a sudden go up to girls in clubs and like... Go, yeah, I mean, it w- yeah, you wouldn't change. Your penis would change. You wouldn't yeah, change. Yeah, I wouldn't change. Well, no, you so. would change. Like, say, for example... Um, you gain three inches, you lose 30 IQ points, you would change. Sam would still be the socially awkward person that wouldn't go out to people in nightclubs. Yeah, I'd get more stupid. The The point is that, but there's no, <laughs> there's no silver lining to it. Well, you have a bigger dick. But to what end? If you know how you to still, use it, George, yeah, you the still, size you doesn't like matter. Another, you still you have, have to get- You have another asset that you can floor. You still yeah. have to get to a point, though, where you get to use it. Yeah, but if you're and stupid... And you, you, you then... kind of need to to talk your way into that. You can't just whop your dick out and go, fancy some? <laughs> yeah, but if you're stupid, that might seem like a viable strategy. I mean, stupid I people do stupid. do that. But... <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so, yeah, no. Like, 
as much as I joke about it, I, th- I think it's fair to say, I mean, I'm not the the Sam levels of IQ, but I, I wouldn't really want to lose my IQ for the sake of an extra inch. Would you want to gain IQ? No, I don't want to lose an inch off my dick. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what if... Um, I'm fairly content with how smart I'm kind of not really am, but yes. Okay. You're just it's it's you good that you are. went for that. It's like, I'm content with how smart I am rather than I'm content with my dick. I, I, I'm, I'm doing all right. <laughs> I mean, I'm content with that too. It's, just, Everyone, it's average, average at best, but you know, I'll take it. I'm sure most men would want a bigger dick. The, the point is what the sacrifice you have to make. Like, yeah. If you just tell, say, right, if I could lose like one or two IQ points and gain several inches, then yeah, I would take that deal. Yeah. Uh, but no, if you're talking like 10 for one, then no, nah, that's not that's Yeah, no, nah, it. it's, not, it's not worth it. No, well, you got to make it fair. Like if it's one for one, then it kind of, yeah, it's sort of a no brainer really, isn't it? Yeah. But yes. Yeah. I think 10 for one is probably a fair exchange in terms of making it like an interesting question. Yeah. I I'll suppose. be honest. I'm surprised that you both basically went no i'm fine in both areas i thought there would be at least one like scenario where you were like yeah i would consider that no don't get like i said if it was like do you want a bigger dick it's always going to be yes yeah um just the deal that you're offering i can't accept yeah um like i didn't know it was a possibility until this hypothetical do you know what i mean so i haven't really I've, I've i've had to be content with what i've got (laughs) i've had to accept my lot well, let's say that science miraculously advances to a point where it would cost less IQ points to gain an inch of your dick. Right. How many IQ points would you be willing to lose for an inch? Well, it's a, for an inch? Yeah. Oh, like one or two? Oh, no, that's not really... No, but I mean, I you know, no more. You're not that. really losing anything there. You're not really sacrificing. Because you can't have both, right? You can't have a big dick and be smart. It's got to be if you're going to excel uh, in one area. I mean, area, there are there are people out there that have big dicks and and smart. Yes, I'm sure there are people who have both. Yeah, I'm sure there are people that have both, and we don't like those people. No, insufferable because bastards. they have everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but yeah, if you if you're going to like rapidly excel in one area, you have to like be lacking in the other. Yeah, right? that's just like set, that's just like no, fairness. That's the thing is, no, because the yes. thing is you could be smart have a big dick but not know how the fuck to use it in which case you might as well not have a big dick but if you're smart you could learn probably very quickly it depends what kind of smart yeah I mean, if you're just going by IQ that's a very particular type of intelligence isn't it yeah okay that doesn't necessarily translate across the board well what about percentage then let's, let's drop IQ let's just right. go with percentage so you'll be 10% smarter Across the but board, you lose an inch of your dick across the board. Um, oh no, 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 not if I have to lo- lose an inch of dick. No, no. Okay, no. <laughs> okay. No way. We hold on to these get, inches I can't preciously. Get you to budge on this, can I? Well, no. what, what's your answer? Yeah, Jord. Um, Where do you stand? I'd be curious to know what happened if I just went all out with it. You know, a, a, a retard with a massive slong. <laughs> It's interesting that you went you, that you considered that angle, Sam. It's it's interesting that you immediately went to oh he clearly wants the bigger dick. <laughs> he doesn't want to just like lose his dick entirely and just gain IQ. That was no, no that's he just funnier just to want me. The big dick. That's just funnier to me. But I assume that would be the case, no? No, not necessarily. So you'd go for total intelligence and no penis. I think both scenarios are interesting. I think like if you're like. If you just gain, like, I don't know, like, 30, 40 IQ points yeah. out of nowhere, mm. then 
you're going to be able to occupy yourself with other things than just wanting to have sex all the time. Okay. So the dick isn't really necessary. Likewise, if you just have a massive dick, but you're a fucking idiot, yes. all you're going to want to do is fuck. So in both scenarios, you're kind of like... I mean, I, I use my penis for more than just that. Yes. Yes, uh, but if, you, if it's if massive, you lose your that's dick kind of completely, the only place in which you've got an advantage. If you right? lose your dick completely, what happens about urinating? Oh, you can still, like, we'll, we'll say that that's all. It like, that, vag, that can still happen. Um, like, obviously, sex would be impossible, but it doesn't, like, interrupt typical biological behaviour. Well, if you go in by soma, if you go in somatically, then I would argue that the idiot with a massive penis is probably happier than the genius with none. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that's evident just from life anyway. Yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. It depends what you're, it depends whether you want to make a lasting contribution to the world or whether you want to be happy. And that's the choice that we have to make yeah. in life, isn't it? Well, I suppose, again, given that I've already accepted the fact that... Uh, that I'm a genius. Like no, not wrong. that I'm a genius, but if it's between being, a, you know, a fuck monster... And just living in bliss, <laughs> or like creating something. I'm probably leaning a bit more towards the latter. I would okay. say. Then I've, I've already accepted that I'm not going to be, you know, um, that guy. Yeah. But but what would you then, Joe? What would you take? W- would you lose ten points for an inch? See that I really don't know. I'm not entirely sure what my IQ is. I know that it's not yeah. terrible. No, no, it's probably know, higher than average. Much, but I, I wouldn't be thought. able to give you like a specific number. So I don't know, like, what I have to lose in that regard. Yeah. I don't know if, like, losing 10, 10 IQ points is the difference between, like, who I am now and, like, a catastrophically stupid version of me. Yes. But, yeah, the, the, the extreme scenarios are what interest me. Mm. Like I've already said, like, being, like, like you said, having a massive dick and being an idiot or be, having no dick and being, like, really intelligent. Well, the, the, it's also subjective, isn't it? Because each person they would have to lose a certain amount or gain a certain amount to be considered big. Yes. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, someone might be on the cusp of already being rather large mm. and an inch or two will do. And then there's other people who might need several inches. Yes. So it sort of depends what the... Um, I mean, I'm not going to ask the question. No, of course. <laughs> <laughs> that's the direction it was going in. But obviously that's... hoping someone would steer yes. us away. It's obviously dependent on that, isn't it? To some yeah. degree. Let's just all play it safe and just assume that... We're like, like, let's just go with the average. Like, okay. Let's just assume in this hypothetical, the person who's going through the change is average in both respects. Okay. So it's what? Like five or six inches is the average? I'm going to look, I'm, I'm look, average, I'm looking yeah. it up now. Yeah, it's five or six, <laughs> five or six average inches. Average penis size. IQ, I think it's about 100? I think 100 is average, yeah. Yeah, 100 is average. Yeah, uh, average length is 6 inches. For a 6 dick. inches. Sure. I don't know what uh, IQ has to dip below to be considered stupid. No, I think... The average 80? IQ score is bang on 100. It is 100, okay. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I think 80 is sort of when you start needing like help in school, you know? Yeah, yeah, okay. Do, you, do either of you know your IQ? Uh, I only I know it's above average. I don't know the rest. Okay, George, yours is probably above average as well. Yeah, but like I genuinely yeah, know, yeah. I've no idea. Um, yeah, because yeah, I've technically got a higher IQ than my sister. She just knows how to use it, and I don't. Right. <laughs> well, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, like I'm not actually a genius. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I did a few IQ tests, and I was like, again, 
I just hit it. Mm. But it, that doesn't translate to anything. So Yeah, when you say you're a genius IQ, did you like just about hit it in one test or was no. it an average? No, I it was an average, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, if it was yeah, just one. Like, oh, my, my IQ is typically like 120. But I did one where I got like 180. So that's clearly my IQ. No, 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 no. It was an average, yeah. I, th- it was, I think it was like, um, it was 145. And depending on the test you do, it's either 140 or 145. Right. Counts as like thing. Uh, but again, like, so what? You know what I mean? Okay. It just means that I was good at an IQ test. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I actually heard the other day about a guy who... I think his IQ was 260 or something like that. Oh, right, I, okay. I'm not sure what the highest ever is. I think it's out of 300 IQ. Yeah, was it Einstein? I think Einstein is... No, oh, Einstein, Einstein's 160. Oh, um, 160. There's a guy who had a high, yeah, the highest IQ no, ever. No, not Einstein, uh, Tesla. I was going to say, because yeah, really um, there was a 12-year-old... I'm literally looking at now, is this, there was a 12-year-old girl that scored higher than Einstein in 2017. The, yeah, there was this guy, it, so, it was 260, and I think he basically did nothing with it. He wrote a couple of scientific books, mm. and that was that was it. Like, he never did anything with his intelligence. Yeah. 260, though, I mean, that's like... I can't... I That's barely operable, isn't it? Like, I don't even know <laughs> that, what that yeah, means. That, yeah, genuinely. Like, obviously, if you've got, like, an IQ of, like, 40... Yeah. Like you, yeah, you barely be able to function as a human being. Yeah. But yeah, I, gen- I genuinely think like if you go the other way, if you have like a, an IQ of 260, it manifests differently, mm. but it's the same problem. You'd be paralyzed, wouldn't you? Yeah. Par- paralyzed with intelligence. Yeah. But genuinely, like it would, you'd sort of be so smart that you wouldn't, I, I think you wouldn't like get things. I th- I think it would be like sensory you would, overload. You would overthink and outthink yeah. everything, basically. I mean, I yeah. overthink anyway, but yeah. So imagine a guy with two sixty. Like how yeah. bad that would be. Yeah, I, I yeah, I couldn't be any smarter. That's just not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm content with where I am. I don't want to be. Okay. Yeah. Oh, like I guess that's nice. I presented this this fun hypothetical to you, and the result is no. I'm happy with who I am. Yes. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad, Diana. I want to reiterate. I would always ac- accept a larger penis. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, you just don't want too many conditions attached to that. Yeah, I don't want any terms and conditions. I just want the I just want the larger penis. Okay. All I'm saying is, if you get an email through that says they can do it for free. Don't accept. Oh, I've learned that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I have a question. Oh, okay. Um, What are parents going to tell their children this year about Father Christmas? Oh, you know what? I've actually seen a bunch of stuff about that already. Um, Have you? Yeah. Like, (laughs) there's a lot of, uh, like, social media stuff. Like, it's it's okay, kids. We're practicing social distancing at the North Pole. So, right. I can still come visit you. I'm not going to spread COVID. Right. Um, yeah, just a lot of like reassurances that Christmas is not cancelled and that Santa Claus is still coming. But in terms of the social distancing thing, like, what are they going to tell their? Are they telling their children that Santa is immune? Because I, I was thinking of the evolution of the Santa myth, right? Because when everyone had chimneys, it was mm. even come down the chimney, right? Yeah. And then all you know, I remember asking my parents, "What about houses that don't have chimneys?" Yeah. And then it became, "Oh, they have. A, he has a magic key that unlocks all doors." Yes, exactly. Right? Yeah. So I feel like it's going to be an, an appendage to that now. Something else is going to have to be added to it. Or oh, Santa's immune from COVID. They're really going to have to like. We need a permanent fix now to that chimney problem. Yeah. Because what the fuck house has a chimney now? Yeah, I guess the magic key. I mean, because Santa's in the at-risk category. Isn't he? He's massively in the at-risk category. He's obese. 
you know oh he's, I, in terms he's, of his health i mean yeah, he's got yeah, he's absolutely. got to be diabetic at this he's point. old yeah he's got to be diabetic yeah that he's, man eats fucking cookies every fucking christmas and he eats fucking thousands of them yeah he works one season a year like so he must be mostly inactive yeah <laughs> no so. I, no i do i do the thing with the the set like santa given how he looks like at christmas you'd think with someone who has three seasons off He'd be like in the gym, getting hench yeah. all year round, pumping iron so he can scoff on cookies next year. Yeah, but yeah. then no, he's always a fat lump that just yeah. tries to break into your house. Okay, leaves your presents, <laughs> but you know, occasionally he might leave you a tangerine or a lump of coal. I mean, you know. Yeah, or maybe he is. Maybe he is hench as fuck when he starts on Christmas Eve. Yeah, maybe, and he just gets fatter. Yeah, but no, I've seen I've seen Santa out of season, and he's still fat. Is he? When when do you see Santa? I've seen Santa loads of times. When? Where? Well, I'm not going to tell well, you. Why, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> I've seen him about, you know. I've seen him around like April, May time. <laughs> right, he's, uh, okay. He's still he's still fat. He's probably <laughs> like, he's eaten like what? Seven million like portions of cookies? Probably more than that, right? I mean, yeah. I, I was going to so, say, you said seven million when the population of the world is billion. Oh, billion. Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> well, I mean, um, <laughs> does, does Father Christmas go... Does he go to the Middle East? <laughs> They'd probably shoot him down, wouldn't they? They'd shoot him down. But, I mean, like, they don't celebrate it there. So... No. Is it all the children of the world? Or is it, you know, the, the Western Christian children of I the like world? I like that. I like I like the passive aggression of Santa still delivering to the Middle East. Yeah. It's like, you yeah, will yeah. fucking celebrate it. <laughs> it's yeah. the last thing I do. A kind of benevolent crusader. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you know I've never considered that question in my life? <laughs> but it's true, though, isn't it? Like, oh, in Ch- communist China, no, no Christianity there. You know. Um, yeah, you know, there's all there's all this like, oh wow, isn't it like amazing that Santa gets to visit every the house of every child? He doesn't. No, most of the world doesn't believe in him. Yeah. <laughs> so he's actually it's actually like incredibly plausible that he would visit every house. Yeah. What do you think about it? It's actually Santa's an incredibly rarefied belief a rarefied myth because you just assume our children the world over believe in him mm. but most don't and then you've got the ones that do but are then disabused of that notion when they get a bit older mm. so it's actually very very small percentage of children that believe in him yeah but we kind of associate him with you know all of childrenhood yes mm. yeah he's kind of like a like a what, what's the omni thing yeah Omni thing. What's Omnipresent. The word, Omnipresent. Yeah, he's yes. sort of an omni. Is that the word? Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. He's everywhere. Yeah. He's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. He is. Does a creep- he stop delivering a- to people who don't believe in him anymore? Yes. Well, yeah. He, he's a creepy guy, though. Without, <laughs> without, oh gosh. In the, in terms of all things twenty twenty, he's an old white man that comes in your house in the middle of the night one year, day a year. Why is white? Why is that? What's that got to do? Because that? he is the old white <laughs> Why man. Why Santa's gender matter, Eddie? <laughs> it doesn't matter, but he is an old white man. We've all seen Not him. only that, you're assuming his gender. Who knows what Santa identifies as? I mean, we've known for long enough. He's an old white man. That comes yeah. in he, he spent his life amongst little people. He's clearly very progressive. His but, entire workforce but he's, is diverse. He's father yeah, he, Christmas, he's, isn't he? So we know that he identifies as... Yeah, man. <laughs> Maybe that's just the patriarchy's label for him. Label for him. Also, yeah. you, you say he's progressive because he's got lots of little people working for him. He's basically enslaved thousands of small people to work, run a workshop. Hey, we don't yeah, know. Exactly. We don't know what Santa's like dental is like. We don't know like how many benefits those elves. Those those elves get like what three hundred holidays a year. 
300 holiday yeah, days a year? But they also create toys and products for every Western child, you know, yes. ostensibly. And so the working conditions must be like Rockstar or something. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of crunch around Christmas, yeah. definitely. But also, yeah. you've got 300 days to recover. And also, like, your boss is has the biggest crunch of all. He's got to do all of his work in, like, an evening, basically. Yeah, I don't think they get paid, though, for those 300 days. I don't, I don't no? think, like, he's got them on retainer. No, I, he'd I, be losing a lot of money if he did. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, where, where is he getting money in the first place? Santa doesn't earn money. So, they, yeah, those elves can't be working for... We're, we're actually, pay. we're Come assuming out. that he eats those cookies. Maybe he has like a like a like a like a bakery business on the side. He sells off all those cookies, and that's what he uses to pay. Pay. Well, that's a bit. It's a bit shady, isn't it? Because <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the biscuits are usually like half eaten, aren't they? Or like there are crumbs, and all, you know, like he's, he's even making it look like he's eaten them. Yeah. So we don't suspect that he's. But then again, why would he have to hide his cookie business? I like those I cookies were gifted to him. Like it's all above board. No, it's not. It's not you I can't. Know. You can't like if I if I gave you a gift and then you say oh, I'll sell that. Then yeah, it's a bit. Not yeah, it's a bit. It's a bit shit. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit like oh well, okay. I fuck you, I guess. But it's not illegal. It's not illegal. No, but I, I suppose we we don't like to think of Santa as a capitalist in that way. <laughs> He's literally the symbol of Coca Cola around Christmas time. Yeah, but not. But well, no, that's not Santa. Not only Santa, that, but it's it? that whole that's... thing about like Coca Cola are the ones that like uh, codified the image of Santa. Made him red. Right? Yeah. yeah. Yes, but that's not Santa. Santa is it? That's just some charlatan or, or an animation. <laughs> Santa Santa isn't paid by Coca Cola. That's not the real Santa. Hashtag not. They've my appropriated Santa. his. I say. Um, um, imagine if it turned out that that was how Santa lived all year round. He had a Coca Cola di- uh, like brand deal sponsorship. Uh, yeah, and that is how he made his money. Just he, he like you, you'll find him in like the supermarket just selling Coca Cola or something like throughout the year, and like that's how he does it. Yeah, oh my god, has- is he the CEO of Coca Cola? Do you know what? That would I, be so sad, but makes so much sense. Well, they do have, like, the secret recipe. Maybe he keeps it up in Lapland. Up Maybe in the he's North the secret Pole. CEO. There's, like, a guy above the head the of Secret Coca-Cola millionaire. And it's, yeah. and it's Santa, yeah. Imagine yeah. him showing up as, like, your secret boss or something. <laughs> yeah, like, trying to disguise himself. <laughs> there's, there's, like, a guy, they're in, like, uh, the meeting room, and they've got, like, the chart with, like, the arrow that's, like, going through the floor. Mm. It's like, our quarterly earnings are down, blah, blah, blah. And you just hear, like, jingle bells approaching. <laughs> like, fuck, everyone, <laughs> the boss leave now. The Santa's coming and look busy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess, because Santa, he, he kind of, he symbolizes, he's the epitome, isn't he, of just charity, in a way. Mm. He just deci- he just gifts children dependent on how they've behaved throughout the year. Although I suspect that even children who haven't behaved that well still get presents. Yeah. So realistically, that's just a bit of a, a bit of a you know con. Well, so it's like re- it, it's like corporations nowadays who are like you know oh we support Black Lives Matter oh we you know yeah we support our friends in the LGBTQ community yeah. all of this like transparent oh we're actually like good people who like we're good companies who care about the well being of people mm. like it's the same thing with Santa he's like this ruthless capitalist that's yeah. like oh no one day every year I like give presents to children for like no reason I'm a good yeah. guy Coca Cola is a good company you should support them. Coca- yeah, if if that was the thing though, but otherwise, let's assume that Santa Santa Claus, his image has merely been appropriated by Coca Cola, 
and okay. he's not actually directly involved with the company. I think it's far less likely than him being the actual CEO, but okay, sure. Okay, I'll yeah, let's it. just go with that hypothetical for a second. Yeah. Uh, there'd be no cause for him to generate public support because there's no product that he wants to sell. No, he wants to sell Coca-Cola. Yeah, but this is it. This is if he's not associated with the company. Right. Actual Santa. Well, no. Like, hang on. Is the is the hypothetical that Coca-Cola have just appropriated Santa's image and Santa has no connection to the company? Yes. Yeah. Oh, well, in that case... He could sue like, them, surely. Yeah, exactly. They'll be liable. But he can't afford the court fees, can he? Start an OnlyFans. Maybe, maybe Santa can have an OnlyFans. Only Santa, Santa can have an OnlyFans. Only ho, ho, OnlyFans. Let's <laughs> <laughs> Or maybe that's why he's got his cookie business on the side. He's he's actually yeah. like trying to raise the funds to take Coca Cola to court. <laughs> maybe that's what it is. Yeah, it's been going on for fucking decades. Maybe he still dresses in green. Maybe that is a complete perfection. <laughs> Red was my favorite fucking color, and now I've got to dress in green to <laughs> differentiate myself. Yeah, because Santa originally, well, he is green, isn't he? He did yeah. dress in green, and then he's only mm. red because of Coca Cola. So, can you imagine, like? Coca-Cola turning up on Santa's doorstep with like a cease and desist being yeah. like we own your image now yeah. so you're going to have to dress up in a different colour like how yeah. pissed off would you be if like a company like turned up on your doorstep and went we own the rights to you now mm. basically you have to do what we say I think that happens on Twitter a lot doesn't it where you know uh, before people become celebrities and then they're, they're people with accounts uh, of that name and then like they have to be bought out essentially oh by yeah. Them. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Well, so it was bad um, enough for Boss Bruin when Hugo Boss sent them a cease and desist letter. So yeah, that's ridiculous. That is, isn't it? It's ridiculous, but that's like company on company. That's the kind of like legal action you sort of expect to happen. It's when it's like companies yes. versus people. That's when it gets a bit like, hang on. Now, well, no, you, it this? basically is. You're talking like corporation versus small independent company. No, I know. Yeah. yeah. The thing, the thing with Boss Bruin though, because I see all they had to do really was change two of the names of their drinks in the end. Yeah, but. One which was Boss Black became Boss Brewing Black, and the other one which was Boss Boss became Boss Bossy. That's all it changes. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. you know, so it's not like it, it cost them what 20, 20 grand in like legal fees or whatnot. Yeah, and all all they did was add a couple of extra words. Like, it's the most ridiculous case I've ever heard in terms of like a big name against a small name. Yeah, and it that, that's feel like the anything's outcome. really been solved there. No, I mean. Hugo Boss haven't sent a cease and desist letter since, so... Oh, yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know. All right. So, was your question answered in all of that, Sam? Uh, Not really. Um, I I can't remember what your question was. Yeah. What are parents going to tell their children this year about Father Christmas? Okay. Um, No, I I tell you what, actually, I I do hope. I'm waiting for the kid that's parents... Rather than say he's immune, because immune will probably be the biggest, like... Go to. Yeah, you can't, you can't yeah. catch it. Yeah. Yeah. Is the, the the parents that accidentally tell their kids that he's got the vaccine? He's got the vaccine. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be in the stocking this year. Yeah. Uh, I do know of one parent who told their, their child um, he's got COVID, so he won't be delivering presents this year. That's oh, amazing. What? That is amazing. <laughs> it's a good get out, isn't it? That is amazing. Yeah. You ain't getting nothing, mate. Santa's a COVID. <laughs> and you got worse than anyone else. Yeah. Like, you can only get away with that for so long, can't you? Nah, so you, he, well you can catch it, it twice. Now. You can catch it twice. Oh yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, as far as the child believing in him, it's like if you if you want one cheap Christmas, now would be the time to <laughs> to do it. Yeah, it's just yeah. It gets the next year the same family like, ah, oh, nah, he's got COVID again. Yeah, he's got it's seasonal. 
Yeah. Season, <laughs> they're like, oh, we have a vaccine winter. now. Look, they've released yes. the worldwide vaccine for COVID. Ah, uh, yeah, but it hadn't got to. Uh, it has not been the North, North Pole. Pole. Yeah. yeah, they yeah. don't even have Wi Fi up there. Has <laughs> <laughs> Santa ever caught the flu? He must have. Yeah, he's, he's, he, I mean, he's got 300 days where he's not doing anything. He must. Uh... Well, I think given the conditions that he's living in, i.e., the North Pole, he's probably yeah. got like, like a medical team on staff to deal with like all of the yeah. like symptoms that that would come with. Like, he's yes. probably got like, you know. Maybe he's got like the cure for frostbite or something. Frostbite specialists, yeah. Yeah. I don't. Know, I mean, you think because if there's any kind of illness in the elf, the elf community, like that is spreading like wildfire. Yeah. Oh yeah. They they work in close quarters, right? Close proximity. They live in. So, co- yeah, they all live together. Yeah. So, has COVID hit the North Pole? Could it hit the North Pole? I guess it's too proof, cold up there, isn't it? Proofs in the pudding, right? Mm. We'll we'll see what happens when December rolls around. Yeah, it's gonna be a. It's definitely gonna be a cheaper year, I reckon, for uh, Santa. Yeah, well, I don't know the economics of it. Like, I don't know how much money he has to funnel into raw materials so he can make all the the, the toys. But uh, I mean, I, I will say, given what he delivers to some people, it is amazing how well he makes an item look exactly like one in the shop. Oh yeah, packaging and all. Like, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. How good he well, it's is! It's part of the like, ruse, isn't it? Like you gotta, you gotta make it look exactly like the thing. Mm. That's part of Santa's. Like, oh, I'm I'm a charitable person. Yeah. Like I don't even want to take the credit for all of my work. I will like do my work in such a manner where it looks like the parents did it. It's like that usual suspects thing, isn't it? The greatest trick Santa ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. <laughs> yeah. I get. I kind of like the image of um, somebody doing that. Like they've they've gone to all of this effort to disguise the fact that they exist and that they're doing this like he's delivering presents all over the world just for a laugh like he's not hiding yeah he's not like hiding a maniacal scheme there's no like alternative like motive at play he's just doing it because like oh I just want to see if I could well he's he's just he's cultivating a cult of personality isn't he I mean the fact that that his existence is shrouded in ambiguity is what makes him a legend yeah you know so I feel as concretely real as we all know he is he's he's injecting uh mystery into it but he's like he's fucking with us because there's so much like media and there are so many images of santa out there in the world we all know exactly what he looks like we all know exactly how he operates we all know exactly what his behavior is it's like in those mob movies where the police are like they have like friendly conversations with the mob bosses Mm. it's like we all know who you are. We all know that yeah. you kill people. We all know that you're head of, like, the mafia. Mm. We just don't have the evidence to arrest you. Yeah. It's like, we all know who you are, Santa. We know where yeah. he lives as well. Proof. But maybe he doesn't... Maybe he looks nothing like that. No, but we know where he lives. Yeah, maybe we know the, where he may, lives as well. Maybe he doesn't even live there. Maybe he lives in the South Pole. Ah, come on, Sam. <laughs> come on. No, it makes more sense. Antarctica is a landmass. You know, the North Pole is just a frozen sea. Yeah. So... Maybe yeah, it is. Maybe Santa from the South Pole. That's that's a conspiracy a, theory to me. Do you think that's a byproduct yeah. of? We were saying earlier about like oh, houses don't have chimneys anymore, so they mm. need to they need to like we need to come up with a permanent fix for that uh, Santa like coming down the chimney problem. Mm. Is it a similar thing with the North Pole? It's like this leg- when this legend started, there was no Arctic. It's like oh yeah, that yeah. like all those frozen waters up at the top of the planet. Yeah, there's, he's definitely up there. But now there's, like, an actual landmass that yeah. people can walk on and, like, check it out. It's like, oh, fuck. 
Well, like Disneyland sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> like it's been invented. Um, yeah. Well, what makes more sense to you? That obviously he's got reindeer, right? Yeah. Are they more likely to coexist with polar bears or penguins? I take your point. I, I, I certainly take your point. Yeah. Um, I'm just thinking about penguins now. Because I think Santa's more likely to live in the land of penguins, not the land of polar bears. They're savage fuckers. Well, no, they they um, uh, they keep the keep the riffraff out, don't they? The polar do bears. they do they guard do they guard the, the dome of yeah, Santa? Dome? I mean, if he's got elves yeah. on payroll, there's no way Santa doesn't have some polar bears on payroll. Is that how he keeps the elves in line? He threatens them with <laughs> <laughs> polar bears. <laughs> We're back to him being a ruthless capitalist and uh, <laughs> dictator again. Yeah. I mean, you can't avoid the truth, George. Like, just got to accept it. Yeah. All right, let's, should we move on from... Okay, yeah. Should we actually review a fil- film now? Fium? Let's fium? do a film review. Yeah, review a fume. A fume. Review a fume. Um, what are we going to review? Relic. Relic. Oh, joy. <laughs> from Santa, from Santa to, to Relic. To fucking Relic. <laughs> I suppose I'll give a brief synopsis. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Relic is a um, an artsy horror film along the lines of Hereditary. That's basically about a an elderly woman who is suffering with dementia, and her daughter and granddaughter travel to her remote house in order to look after her after she goes missing. And as the film goes on dread builds and things devolve as it appears that there's some manifestation of the illness kind of lurking in the house uh, or, or and indeed something maybe off with the grandmother herself hmm. thoughts on Relic it's very good it's yeah. very good well that is the film you've described like that that is yes. basically the film there isn't much else to it it is it's so yeah. tight in focus yeah that you've kind of explained everything <laughs> basically plot wise yeah I mean it's not too heavy on gore or anything like that although no. uh, the the skin thing is disgusting there's a bit of gross out there's a couple of jumps but not really no. no it's sort of it's that sort of brand of horror movie where like horror fills the film in the same way that like water fills a bathtub like it's it's, it's right. sort of gradually sort of yeah. rises around rising you tension kind of, yeah yeah until you're kind of soaking in the horror of, yeah. of of everything. Well, the thing I'd heard about mainly about it was that it was a, a really good film, but it was kind of like a horrible experience. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it wasn't as horrible as I was expecting. In what okay, in what respect was it not as horrible as you were expecting? I I, I suppose I just expected it to be bleaker. And don't get me wrong, it's pretty bleak. But I think the fact that it's rel- a relatively short film is like part of its saving grace really. Oh yeah, it's it, like it's an hour like and a half long. Hour and a half, it? hour twenty nine. If it was like two hours, I think it might have become unbearable. Mm. Mm. As it stood, is like yeah, it was just this mounting tension, and the big climax of the film really isn't that much of a climax, you know, as far as horror films go. No, it was sort of a. Um, it's like oh, we're here. Yeah, well, we're, we're like, oh, we're already. in the final portion of the film now. I will yeah. say that's one of the things that I. Um, like not that i wasn't thrilled with but like that final that sort of climax of the film you've got the daughter who's in one location mm. and then you've got the mother who's in another location with the grandmother yeah. and they're both like the horror is sort of rising for both of them yeah. are we spoiling relic because there's kind of so little to this film yeah i feel like spoiling it kind of robs i, I don't want this review to become a substitute for going to watch the film you know i think we can spoil 
Yeah, I think we can spot. Yeah, I mean, it because it, it is um, it's it's an experiential film, isn't it? I I, I it's not like we're going to spoil the plot. You know where it's going to go. Yeah. Um, and I suppose the fact that you've mentioned like that the grandmother is suffering from dementia and there seems yeah. to be a manifestation of yeah. that in the house, that's already sort of given away where the horror comes from. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's 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 a proper it's an old school horror film and that in that it's about an idea. And it's yeah. about a very a very human fear that yes. they've made kind of um not supernatural quite, but like extra natural, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, that like fight when the daughter is sort of running through the maze of where the house is like shrinking around her. My favorite bit. Yeah, and then yeah. that's cutting back and forth between the mother sort of being with the grandmother as as she's being taken over by the dementia. Yeah. Like those scenes were sort of cutting between each other. And mm. I just kind of wish that they'd stuck like, like, I wish that I'd spent more... Because that, yeah, that scene where the... With those scenes where the daughter is running through the shrinking maze yeah. is, like, genuinely harrowing. Yeah. It's so uncomfortable. It's so terrifying. Mm-hmm. But it they they were always cutting away from it. So you were always... Can, you were always granted, like, this slight reprieve. It's like, oh, at least I'm out of that now. I know what you mean, but I... Because events are happen- happening simultaneously, weren't they? Yeah. So I, I felt they they probably felt they had to kind of um, raise the stakes in both camps, you know, and then they kind of meet, don't they? Yeah, um, I understand in that respect. But yeah, yeah the, 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 the the unfortunate uh, side effect of that for me was that whenever I started to get genuinely uncomfortable with the maze, mm. it would cut away. So yeah, they're like, oh, you, fin- you finally got me to the place you wanted to get me and now you've left me, you know, you've cut away now. Yeah, it, it like leaves you teetering on the edge as yeah. it goes and then it, it fl- never got it never te- tipped fully into claustrophobia for you yeah no never yeah. did okay um, yeah I got like as, as a horror film it wasn't particularly effective for me I suppose because I, I, I knew where it was going there wasn't much in the way of dread mm. it's a very dread laden film mm. but I don't know. It's it's hard. You know, like the haunting of Hill House. Like, yeah, you know, for me, that primarily functions as a family drama. Yeah, just yeah. with the trappings of horror. This similarly has a similar thing, which is it didn't really work as a horror film for me in that way. It didn't scare me, or it didn't make me very uncomfortable. There oh, were yeah, moments. Yeah, the, it definitely felt like the horror was a tool that the story was using, as opposed to yeah. we were just a straight up horror film. Yeah, for sure. An interesting thing that the film did was the villain if you like obviously it's it's the dementia it's the mm. the the mind kind of falling apart but obviously expressed through the grandmother mm. and an interesting thing that happened is even as she they were the creepy moments with the grandmother you know as she was kind of talking to herself and all these different things yeah, yeah. i was never alienated from her as a character i always i felt sorry for her rather than being freaked out by her yeah okay. yeah oh yeah no that that a hundred percent. I felt sorry for her for like ninety eight percent of the film. Yeah, like when she's burying the things and she just has that breakdown. Like where where is everyone? What's going yeah. on? Yeah, it's like oh yeah, she's not a horror villain to me. You know, like no, it, that didn't override the the trauma that the character must have been experiencing. Yeah, the the, the moment in the bathtub did <laughs> kind of gross me out though. <laughs> yes, that's pretty gross. Um. Yeah, she has, like, this bruise that kind of becomes mould and she starts, like, tearing herself apart, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Performances. They were all good. 
Yeah. They're, they're all pretty good. They all play it very well. I think Emily Mortimer has like a naturally sad face. She does. So putting her in a film where she has to be sad most of the time is kind of cheating. <laughs> but she does yeah. play it well. Yes. Yeah. Before I, I don't have like proper notes, but because mm. I, I, I like made one note really close to the beginning and then just watched the film because I really wanted to enjoy it, yeah. which was just me writing mm, old lady ass. <laughs> okay. All right, you enjoyed that, did you? Cause, well, no, because it's like w- close to the start of the film. It's just a picture of the back of her. Yes, uh, like as it, like the shot closes in on her, and then you just slightly see her face, and that is like, yeah, right. That's the start of this. Cool. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It starts with the um, the Christmas lights that fl- that flicker in and out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a nice little visual metaphor. Uh, yeah, I didn't make any notes about it either. I just watched it, especially given that it was so short. A horror film, a good horror film for me is one that you walk away with it with images kind of burnt into your mind. Mm. There weren't many in this. I got, I loved the final image. Yes. Of the three of them on the bed. Yeah. That was yeah. brilliant. Like, oh, that says everything. Yeah, that image alone is just a perfect summary of the film. Yeah. And that was bleak, you know? Yes. Like yes. that was, um, oh God, yeah, we are all going that way in some way or another, aren't we? But, yeah, and obviously, like this is massive spoiler. The, the ending of the film is the the granddaughter notices a bit of uh, like a bruise or some mold on her mother's uh, back, implying that she will also fall victim to the same um, fate. Yes, yeah, yeah. That that it kind of crystallized for me in that moment. It's like, oh, yeah, that is pure cinema right there. The three of them on the bed, you know, that image. Yes, yeah. Um. I don't really have much else to say about it. Yeah, there's very yeah, uh, it's a very like I said at the beginning, it's a very um tight film. Yeah. So there really isn't that much to talk about. Um like everything is done well, but there's also mm. there's not much to get wrong, you know? Yeah. I think the only thing the only thing that they could have got wrong in this film that would have significantly ruined the film was how they handled dementia. And I think mm-hmm. it was done very tastefully, which is yeah. Yeah, the, no, no one's criticised how they displayed it. No, absolutely yeah. not, um, and rightfully so. I didn't, I didn't love it. No, I didn't love it. No, no, it's nothing special. I wouldn't say that. No, I, I, I know. I feel like we've already had our like debut darling this year, and that was the Vast of Nights. This is not a debut darling. It's it's a really good, well put together little horror film. But this is not. Yeah, this is not what I'm ever going to return to, I don't think. I'm inclined to... Oh, yeah. So, I agree with you in that I don't love it, and I'm not inclined to return to it, but I would disagree with it being not a debut, darling. I, I think it it is incredibly well executed. Um, oh, it certainly shows off the potential of uh, the writer-director. Yeah. But this film itself is nothing I don't think it's anything too special you know well I do disagree with that again like uh, while not loving it I would argue that it's special in in it, it is the Babadook the Witch of this year isn't it well it's funny you mentioned the witch because I was thinking of the witch a lot when I was watching yeah. this film like mm-hmm. you've, you've got like like little comparisons in that that was also like the debut of that writer director mm-hmm. you've got like this is a, this is a horror film but it's really this like you know uh claustrophobic like family drama Mm -hmm. um but i feel like the richness of the setting and the dialogue of the witch means that that film survives multiple rewatches and it sort of carries you through 
the quieter portions of the film. Well, I mean, I, I would put it kind of in the centre of those films. So if The Witch is high-end, and I don't know, what would be the low end of that? Like, I didn't love The Babadook, so I, suppose okay. I would put that on the lower end. I'd put this, like, above The Babadook, personally. Okay. Not It's not as good as Hereditary. It's not as good as The Witch. It's not as good as The Lighthouse. Do you think that uh, the writer-director of this was gutted that Hereditary was already taken as a title? Probably, yeah. Because yeah. that would have been a pretty, like appropriate title for this film. I suppose I, it would ultimately but for most of it I suppose it wouldn't be would it no why the, why the relic? twist would be hereditary um why relic because I don't feel like I, I suppose the obvious interpretation to take away from just the title relic is mm. oh she's like from a bygone era and she like you know everyone she knows and everything that she understands is sort of gone and she's the only thing that's left of that there's that moment where, because um, there's a uh, the neighbor, uh, the neighbor's kid, I think, is the one with Down syndrome in the yeah. film, and the daughter brings her up, and the grandmother goes, "Oh yeah, the retard." Yes, and that's like the only moment in the film where it feels like it would represent that. It would represent like, oh, the grandmother's from a different time. I would say it's called relic because her body is a relic, like she is no longer there. It's oh, been possessed okay. by something else, you know. Oh, okay. Well, okay. I, yeah. I, yeah. I accept that as yeah. an interpretation. Yeah, that's a pretty solid interpretation. You know what I mean? Like, if you have dementia, like, you're you're just an antique now. Like, there's nothing... You have gone. And it's yeah. just a mm. shell of what you used to be there. Yeah. Occupied okay. by something else, you know? Um, I suppose that's where I would take away from it. I don't know. I feel like a lot of horror films, the titles are cryptic, aren't they? So yes. there's an element of that. But, I, yeah, I suppose that would be my interpretation. I mean, I will say, I think I enjoyed it more than you two then but i couldn't yeah. tell you why that's the only okay. thing like i okay. would rewatch it but i couldn't yeah. give you anything more or less to say oh no this is why this is why this is why it was just it was all right i enjoyed it i thought you know i thought it was very well done yeah i'd probably watch it again yeah, i wouldn't discourage i would i would never think of discouraging anyone from watching this no i think no. It's, it's worth caveating that this is you know this isn't like scary horror this is kind of depressing horror yeah like it's horrible horror yes um so keep that in mind when you go into watch it and i do think there's going to be some people especially if you've lived through that if you've had a per- like had like a family member who's gone through the process of or is in the process of like losing themselves to dementia um actually that's a question i wanted to ask you do you think the film will be too much to watch like oh this is too real i can't be doing with this or do you think it would be seen more as like a like a coping mechanism like a tool to help you express the experience um i don't know because the, the the film it walks that tightrope doesn't it very finely between the, the problem is if you're depicting dementia in a horror context that it's like you're kind of um vilifying it sounds like the wrong word but you know what i mean you're 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 stigmatizing it. I know that yeah. sounds, but it doesn't do that. It it depicts it as a, it is a horrible thing. You know, like dementia yes. is a horrible thing, and it oh, it, yeah. it just depicts that in the context of a horror film without ever kind of turning it into something that's not. Yeah, I suppose if you were going through it, you know, if a family member's going through it, you probably wouldn't want to watch it. No, but I, I know a few people who have had relatives, you know, uh, fall victim to dementia who have said that the film brilliantly encapsulates 
okay. what that is like. So maybe like after the fact, you know? Yeah. Um, like further down the line, it probably is something you could watch. Yeah. Yeah. And see if it rings true. I, I you know, yeah, you probably don't want to tune in if you're going through it in your actual life. No. <laughs> no. Because I was thinking that when I was watching it. It's like, why am I, why am I putting myself through this? Yeah. Why in general would people put themselves through this? Like, oh, I'm going to create this horror film about dementia and a woman losing herself to dementia and then I'm going to have this really bleak ending where um, you know, I show that like, oh, the cycle's going to continue and yeah. it's like, why Why would I, why do people want to put themselves through that? Why is there a market for a film like this? Well, horror films are masochistic, but aren't they? Does that refer more to because when you say that, I think more of like, on the extreme end you've got something like Saw, uh, where it's like See- it's gory and it's intense, but you've got other films like um i suppose the exorcist where they're more like scary not the exorcist but like you know yeah see like I those put, films are scary or they're jumpy like this yeah. is just like horrible you know well that's why i i personally wouldn't put i would put saw on the light end of the spectrum like all you're putting yourself through there is disgust like ugh, that's yeah. kind of nasty yeah whereas a film like this yes it's it's worse right because it's something that's real Yes, and um, I mean all horror films to some degree are masochistic. You you watch them to put yourself through the ringer, but then if it also happens to be about something that's very real, mm. it has that it has art to it as well, doesn't it? It has mm, that artistic yeah. dimension to it. Um, but do you think most people would appreciate that? Do you think that's just a uh, a facet that um, like film people enjoy? Yeah, I think this this is a horror film for film people. Yeah. This isn't a horror film for, as we talked about in the last, I don't know if it stayed in actually, but about, uh, you know, young white women who say they love horror and that just translates to The Conjuring and Insidious and all that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This film is not for them. No. No, no not it. Yeah. If there was something more to it, honestly, it's the kind of horror film I'd expect might pick up the odd award nomination along the way. That's what yeah. it's going for. Yeah, it's classy. It's classier kind of. Um, as it stands, I don't think it will. Maybe a few kind of debut awards. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. But it does that thing, though. I've noticed that these these classier horror films do. There, there are no jumps per se, but there are like false jumps. Yeah. So the thing that you you're expecting to jump at is something else. Yes. So like when she uh, when the daughter the granddaughter is initially in the uh, the closet and she sees like mold or like scratching on the wall or whatever, and she like is creeping in to investigate and you expect him to jump out at her but she just like pulls the the clothes on the rack back yeah and the, the sound is the loud. sound of that yeah like <laughs> yeah. that it's it's kind of a half jump it's a yeah it's like it's a classy horror film jump it's a cheat jump. <laughs> yeah or yeah. like when um the mother is looking at under the bed because yeah. the grandmother's convinced that something's under the bed and she looks under the bed and then like a book falls on her head yeah it's like you're expecting something to grab her from under the bed but that's not the case yeah yeah See things. I took the um, the retard thing as not a sign that she was um, out of time necessarily, though it could mean that. I took it more as just like it was making her nasty. You know what I mean? Like at times, because like with with a granddaughter when she gives her the ring and then she demands it back. Mm. Yeah, it kind of it makes you hostile. You know, I, I just took yeah. it as that like someone who would have otherwise been very caring towards this boy and is now describing him as a retard. It's just like it's activated that part of her brain. Okay. Um, but it could well mean that she, you know, she's of a bygone era where that w- yeah, word was acceptable. Maybe. That's good. 
If, if it could mean multiple things, and that's a good could, thing. That is a good thing. Uh, do we recommend it then? I do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I would. I would recommend it. I would. I would. Um, like approach with caution. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like I. I don't. You know. It might not be. Like I said, it's not horror in in terms of like oh it's jumpy or oh it's creepy. It's no. It's it's just yeah. like uh, an unpleasant, unpleasant in a sort of intentional way. Yeah, it reminded me of um, it comes at night a little bit, which is similarly a horror film, which is just deeply unpleasant. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah, approach with caution, but yeah, it is a recommendation. Yeah. yeah. The, the the daughter's hot. Yeah, I was avoiding saying that. But... <laughs> uh, the mother's hot. Oh, I wouldn't go that far. The grandmother's hot. <laughs> well, she's got, you know, cracking ass. The cracking ass, yeah. Especially, Especially the end, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah she's yeah. this... Uh, I do love peeled off flesh. Goal infused with lung cancer. <laughs> well, st- I'm going to stick to the, the topic of dementia. Oh, dear. Okay. Um... Uh, to bring up the, the passing um, of James Bond, Mr. Sean Connery. Oh, is that... Did he die of dementia? He died of dementia. Oh, right, okay. Oh, right, okay. Well, he, well so he, he had dementia. Whether that's what killed him is a different matter. But he had dementia. Yes. Okay. Yes, we've, we've lost the first James Bond. We have. And we actually planned on talking about James Bond a lot, didn't yeah. we? <laughs> <laughs> we, the, we have, um, on two separate occasions... We were going to launch like a sort of similar to what we did with Doctor Who, where we were going to talk about all of the James Bond films in the run up to No Time to Die. That is still our intention. Yes. But No Time to Die seems to be it's in this perpetual cycle of being delayed at the moment. Yeah. Um, usually coinciding with any time Billie Eilish does anything. Yeah. <laughs> she released the song and it got delayed. She released the video and it got delayed. So, um, so we will eventually talk about it. But yeah, it's sort of. Um, He's gone now. Yep. Do you know what the first article I saw about it was? It was basically saying, uh, yeah, yeah, he was he was good and all, but like, let's talk about his attitude towards women. Oh, for God's sake. It's like, he just died, literally. Yeah. I, I, mm. My mother told me, and then that was the, f- I, I Googled it, and that was the first article that came up. Yeah. I was like, you know, just the utter yeah. lack wait, of- Wait, wait, um, to diminish the guy's achievements. Yeah. And yeah, like he did have a questionable <laughs> attitude towards women, but that's not what you talk about straight after he's died. No, no. you maybe give, you maybe wait for the dust to settle, and then yeah. you sort of talk about like, okay, let's actually talk about his life properly now that we've yes. played, now that we've paid our respects. I mean, he, yeah, he is a BAFTA, Oscar, Golden Globe winning actor. Yeah, yeah. like iconic. You know, he almost de- basically defined. And re- like revolutionized the start of like Bond being a bit, you know. Well, all Bonds are compared to him, aren't they? Yeah. You know, there, there's a certain portion. I think most people would say he was the best Bond. He's he's the best Bond of old. Yes. I think Craig has a shout for uh, sometimes being a better performer, but yes, his films sometimes let him down. Yes. <laughs> well, Craig has Skyfall under his belt. That makes anyone that would make anyone a hell of a contender, wouldn't they? Yeah. But then Connery has Goldfinger. And from Russia with and Love. And from Russia with he Love. He does. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he will always be the quintessential Bond, won't he? Yes. Yeah. Um what is your do you have any favourite non Bond Connery films or performances? Oh, The Rock. <laughs> the Rock. <laughs> it's so obviously yeah. The Rock. <laughs> the Rock is good. I'm trying to think what I've actually seen him in. 
it made me think like think I've got to rewatch a lot of his performances. Like he won the Oscar for The Untouchables. Yeah. And I saw that years and years like as a child I saw that basically. Right. Um so that deserves I remember his accent not being brilliant. Because mm. I think he's gotta do like a Belfast Northern and you know. Um but I have to rewatch that. And also I really want to rewatch Last Crusade. Mm. Oh right, okay. Well he's in he's in Marnie. Yes, he is, yeah. I feel like he was good in that. Yeah. Um, but I haven't seen the film in a while, so I can't well, remember. Well, I think he sort of, he strikes me as one of those actors that's sort of like, um, oh God, I have to think of a comparable actor now. <laughs> um, he sort of strikes me as like a, I suppose Richard Jenkins, maybe? Okay. Where he's kind of, um, maybe not Richard Jenkins. <laughs> maybe you could give me a better example, Sam. The, the okay. type of actor who is, um, he's the same in everything that he's in and that's enough, you know? Like okay. he is just a comfortable enough presence that he can be Sean, Sean Connery, and that's enough. Maybe Morgan Freeman is like Samuel L. Jackson. Samuel L. Jackson, yeah, yeah. It was like he's always Samuel L. Jackson, and that's enough. Yeah, and not yeah, in yeah. a bad way. It's not like oh, you can only do the one thing. It's like no, no, we like I came wanting Sean Connery, and that's what I got, and I'm happy. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I do reckon we've got to put the uh, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen up there. <laughs> do we? Um, <laughs> must do. Isn't that what made him retire? Uh, essentially, <laughs> essentially yes it is <laughs> yeah that, that was arguably what the, the one of the worst things he's ever done oh yeah Zardoz has got to be up there as well that's always uh, you know that George you've probably seen him in like the, the Mankini with like oh the, is that what it's from yeah yeah oh right Zardoz. Okay. yeah that's not good um, yeah wasn't he voted um, sexiest like star of the century or something like that yeah was he something like that yeah He's a he's a very attractive old man. Yeah, definitely had sex appeal. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's it's a thing because obviously I think he he's prior to Craig he's the Bond that had his shirt off the most or something like that. Right, and yeah. it's because he like he was Bond at the time where having like a hairy chest was like popular mm. in yes. terms of what was sex appeal. So it was just right. How many films can we get him to have his shirt off in? I feel like if Sean Connery was about now as a young man then he would be a gay icon yeah do you know what yeah. I genuinely think he would that, that's not a bad shout is that just because what was considered manly in the 60s is what's considered gay now like is that not just like a, like a sign of times progressing or do you think like you are literally just that man put into this time period well there are plenty of actors and singers or whatever that aren't gay that have nevertheless become gay icons right Mm. And I think he would be he like he'd be a bear, basically, wouldn't he? Mm. Not oh, yeah. fat, okay. but like her suit, and you know, I guess in the way that Tom Hardy kind of is, I feel like he might be popular in the gay community. Tom Hardy's jacked though, isn't he? Yeah, well, Connery. I think Tom Hardy's popular in most communities, to be honest. Yes, he's jacked, but Connery was like, Mr. was he Mister Unit? No, that was Schwarzenegger. Yeah, he was a bodybuilder, though, wasn't he? I'm sure he was. Oh, I don't know about that. Yeah, oh, I think yeah, Sean Connery he, was a bodybuilder. He probably builder. was. I can imagine. Yeah. That. Okay. He do, he doesn't he doesn't look like he has uh, a bodybuilder physique. He looks not like he's in, in good way. shape, but not a bodybuilder. Really, so. Well, like six sixties bodybuilder. You know, like I feel like they didn't use. They never used to be that uh, yeah. ripped. Just Actors like never used to be bulbous muscles, like yeah. sprouting out of every like square inch of skin. Yeah, like that just didn't exist back in the day, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Like well, even, different, even different the, standards the, for health, wasn't there? Well, I mean, even the wrestlers, like Big Daddy, like they're just fat. They're just, <laughs> just big. Yeah, they're not like ripped. They're not John yeah. Cena, you know. 
I suppose that the advent oh, of steroids and that sort of thing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, they're, they're not that. Right, okay. That's what, like, we expect Dwayne The Rock Johnson now. But back in the day, Sean Connery was the hench, you know. <laughs> right. Uh, ma- male leading man. Yeah. That's better, isn't it? Mm. What's better? Connery. Oh, Connery is better. Like, Connery hench is better than yes. Tom Hardy yeah, hench. for sure. Yes. Yeah, I, I, he 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 also yeah. could, ha- uh, could have had a dad bod, and I think no one would have cared. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what's the appeal with, um, like, Tom Hardy Hench? Like, obviously, like, oh, he's in very good shape. That's an attractive yes. prospect. But I don't know. Like, if you like, if you were to, like, put your head on Sean Connery's tummy, like, if you were to lie down on his tummy, <laughs> it'd be a lot more comfortable than lying down on Tom Hardy's tummy. Yeah. It'd just be, like, so. really hard and, like, yeah, uncomfortable. Whereas Connery, you, you got a little bit of, you know, padding. you got a little bit of padding there. I don't know. I mean, you'd have to ask people who find that sexually attractive, I suppose. Well, Eddie, do you find that sexy attractive? <laughs> no, I'd rather a Sean Connery. You would rather a Sean Connery. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Well, people who people who find Tom Hardy sexually attractive, comments, write in, tell us, <laughs> tell us what the appeal is. Yeah, and tell us you wouldn't prefer like a dad bod or like a tummy that you could lay down on, and it's like, oh, this is this is comfortable. I could be wrong. I could be way off the mark here, but I feel like most do, don't they? Do they? Yeah, most prefer like a normal human being, <laughs> like shape. With a bit of muscle or whatever, than like a Tom Hardy. Yeah, it's just excessive, right? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Okay. Without well, Sean Connery. Yep. Rest in peace. Rest, rest, in, rest in, peace. in peace. And yes, we've talked about how attractive you are more than your film career. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. Genuine question. Mm-hmm. So for the for the sake of the listeners, it's like four o'clock in the afternoon. Mm. The sun is still out. Like, it's starting to set, but it's still out. It's still very clearly daytime. Mm-hmm. Are someone setting off fireworks? <laughs> yeah. What? Why? Uh, leftovers. Literally, yeah. what is the... But it's going to be dark in an hour. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I've never understood the thing with fireworks. They were doing it a couple of houses away from me last night through, like, the early hours. Right. I just don't... I don't understand well, the appeal anymore. I mean, I, yeah, I live in a prime location for fireworks in terms of being yeah. able to see displays because there are I, I could see a display from every which way i looked yesterday yeah mm. uh, to, to the extent that we we heard one in the house that sounded ridiculously close as if it had hit the house and then we went into the garden and there was a firework by the back door <laughs> all right okay. so a rocket had off, has obviously hit the back wall somewhere and dropped down had it uh, gone off at, at least well I'm assuming it had gone off hit the wall on its way down and then dropped but it was just that thing it was like well we knew we heard something so uh, yeah, it, it, it was a firework but it, it did also mean that when I because I popped out to go to the shop yesterday evening I was like I'm gonna go out the front door then <laughs> just in <laughs> yes, case don't blow I blow up. up seems like a safer bet yeah. Yes, because um, fi- bonfire nights obviously it was bonfire night yesterday in the UK is that just a UK thing yeah, yeah, it is just a UK thing. Yeah, because the Houses of Parliament, isn't it? Yeah. I know it's because the Houses of Parliament. I just, but like, I didn't know if it was like Halloween where it had started to. There were like other countries that would let off fireworks. No, in... I don't think so. I think because in America they've got. Um, I feel like Independence Day for the Fourth of July weekend is their fireworks. Well, yeah, it was interesting. They've got Independence Day. They've got Thanksgiving. Um, yeah. 
Black Friday is obviously a massive deal in comparison to yeah, over we, here. This is the, we've got Black Friday now. We've got two Black Fridays. Yeah. Because we already had a Black Friday, but now we've got the American Black Friday as well. Yeah, but the American Black Friday is better, better deals. No, no. The British Far Black Friday deals. is that you go out drinking the Friday before Christmas and everyone gets drunk and there are lots of fights. Jordan, I work that's in a... Be- that's clearly the I, superior I, Black I work Friday, in a Eddie. pub, Jordan. Why would that be fun for me? Because it's fun for the people who go to the pub. And as someone who works in the pub, you should know that it's the customer that matters. So I think it's quite I mean, disgraceful, Eddie. I, I, I will point out I did also... you don't seem l- to care about your customers well. I did. I did. I, I mean, I don't care about them, no. Um... I did learn in the last week, like, it, this sounds really stupid, but it is officially illegal to be drunk in a pub. Like, obviously, there's <laughs> the whole, like, don't do drunk policies and does. But in, in, certainly, I think it's England and Wales, there is a law that still, old law that still exists, which means, technically speaking, if you're drunk in a pub, it, you're, you're breaking the law. Right, okay. Um, and is I, it one of those antiquated laws? That, it, it's an old yeah, thing. Like, it's an old, yeah, 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 suicide carries the death penalty. One of yeah, those yeah. laws. Or yeah, it's, an, it's yeah. an old thing. And I was just like, the one place where it's illegal to be drunk is the place where you drink. <laughs> okay, yeah. okay. I don't think they foresaw binge drinking on the level that the UK binge drinks when they made yeah. that law. No, I th- yeah, I think they all thought we'd have a couple of glasses and then it'd be done. Okay, what do you think is unique about the UK in, you know, in that it generates such binge drinking? What is it about the UK? Yeah, because it's definitely... Obviously, other countries do it, but the UK definitely has a yeah. reputation, doesn't it? Yes, we're the like worst hands down. I mean, yeah, we do have a, a very high number of pubs, which does yeah contribute. Um, but I think that's more to serve the fact that there are binge drinkers rather than the binge drinkers came around because there were loads of pubs. Chicken and egg. I don't know. Well, I mean, yeah. the example I use is like where I spent a lot of time living in Macclesfield people drink the the drinking rate there is higher than it used to be when i lived there right and pubs which we always thought would shut have boomed in the last yeah. sort of like 10 years maybe or they so. miss you eddie it's like oh eddie's gone there's nothing to do now i guess we would we'll just go so, to the pub. Just all go to the nag's head in it yeah nag's head yeah. yeah uh yeah so what do you think what what is it about the british psyche it must be the country right the country that we live in because most countries do the nine to five thing. It's not like we have yeah. a unique way of life. No. Obviously, you have cities like New York, which are far denser and they have a far more accelerated way of living. So mm-hmm. it's not like, oh, like this came from like the lifestyle that everybody has in London and it trickled down. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, everybody has like busy metropolises. Everybody has that kind of typical nine to five work week. So it must be, yeah, the country. But we live in... Maybe it's just because we live in Wales, but, like, generally speaking, the UK is not a bad-looking country. It's not like we live in Soviet Russia where it's all just concrete, you know? No. I, I think the 9 to 5 thing is part of it, right? That the whole work thing is geared around 9 to 5 on Monday to Friday, and then mm. you get your pay and you go out drinking. That is, like, the... Oh, yeah. And then... The understanding. Yeah, and then if you don't drink on the Friday, you drink on the Saturday because that's what a lot of people do because they know they're off on the Sunday. Because they can take all of Sunday to recover, yeah. yeah. Sean the Dead is the perfect thing of that. Like, Because that's just set on a Sunday hangover day, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Um, so that's part of it. I th- think we it's because we are uniquely inhibited. I don't know. I mean, I think... I, I've, I feel like when it comes to drinking as a country, we probably figured out 
that the more we drank and the stupider we were, the more fun we were probably having. Yeah, but do we, and do we need that more than a lot of other countries? Not necessarily, but I think it's such an ingrained thing now that whatever did kickstart it won't stop it now. Because it's like when when you turn 18, the first thing people do most of the time these days, if you haven't already broken drinking laws and done it when you're younger, is yeah. you go out. Like, as a student, when we, when we were 18, we were on the piss nearly every night. Well, that's the mm. thing. If you Like, in, in the UK, more often than not, like, you've already had a drink. You've already been drunk before you turned 18. Oh, yeah. That's just something you do. Like, even I did it. Like, obviously, I was in a group of friends where a lot of uh, my friends were older, so they were going to the pub because they were of legal drinking age. So I just mm. went with them and started drinking, you know? Yeah. Um, I do think it- there's a, a dourness endemic to British people that means we have to drink to enjoy <laughs> ourselves more. Okay. Um, Is it the weather? That's part of it, that it's just bleak. But because yeah, because it's not. We don't live in like hurricane territory. We don't have no. earthquakes. We don't have any like horrible, like significant uh, meteorological events. Mm-hmm. But it's very. Imagine how changeable. much we would drink if we had hurricanes. <laughs> but <laughs> it's know. it's miserable weather, isn't it? Yeah, and I think it's that thing of, and it's changeable as well. Like you could be having a nice day, and then on a dime, it could be miserable. Yeah, like the, there's a psychospheric kind of implication, isn't it? So, like in Seattle, where there's a high suicide rate because, well, people have, have chalked that up to the fact it rains a lot there. Mm. Um, you get grunge out of that because people are just in damp basements all the time. Yeah, and that's you know, we grunge. And similar with Manchester, you know, like post Thatcher, bleak industrial north. You get Joy Division and you get the Smiths and then later you get Oasis, you know. There's that whole, you're on the dole and you want to escape. There's that whole element to it and I think maybe that's also tied in with uh, drinking. Yeah. So you, you do it to escape where you are, basically. Because <laughs> right. I was thinking as well about like going off to university. Like a lot of Brit- you know, British kids, they then go off to university and they start getting pissed all the time. Like in America, that would be even more of a case for that because they often leave the state you know and mm. uh, seem further away but I just think Americans require it less well as I say I think also we, we've uh, fine-tuned drinking and sport to be synonymous with each other yeah and yeah. I don't think it's like obviously when like people watch the Super Bowl they do drink like that's not not mm-hmm. a thing but like you know going to watch like a Premier League football match oh I've got to have seven pints at least to get through yeah. 90 minutes of football Mm. you know that is a thing going to festivals let's get a drink yeah it's all tied up with it <laughs> I mean over here we have pre-drinks we have yeah that is true up. we we are you the know. people behind pre-drinks <laughs> that went ah oh, I need to get drunk before I go out drinking I remember always thinking pre-drinks was the most stupid thing because I was like pre-drinks is before you start drinking pre-drinks is any time that you're not drinking <laughs> this is but, drinking what we're doing now yeah, yeah. but no pre-drinks just means drinking before you really start drinking <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's that's a yeah it's gotta be a very british thing which is it? always the stupidest thing about it was always that okay we've had drinks we're drunk let's go out to the club and by the time yeah. you've like got to the club and you've queued up and you're mm. inside you've sobered up again that's why I always yeah, hate pre-drinks that, yeah but that I mean yeah because well they you often used to come round to mine yeah and then we'd have pre-drinks with like my flat and then we'd go to a club somewhere. Yeah. But that is like it's the whole point of it though, isn't it? Cuz you like you get pissed. You sober up trying waiting to get into the club and then you spend money in the club and then you get pissed again. Yeah. I guess I also thought the idea of pre-drinks was that you don't have to spend as much when you're out. 
I mean, it, it, I think it is, but it doesn't yeah. work that way because <laughs> it always takes too long to get to the actual club. Yeah. Especially, oh, that's the thing with pre-drinks. When there's like a group of more than six or seven of you and you've got to navigate a group, it just takes forever. Oh, it does. Yeah, like, it does. What should you be got 10 three minutes people like who want to go hour. to this club, but two people yeah. don't want to go there. And you've got four people who want to go there, but that person's banned and you've got to take yeah. all that shit <laughs> yeah. into consideration. Yeah. But again, we have the whole, oh, you've got to catch up. You know, when someone turns up late. Oh, yeah. When, when someone turns up late and it's like, right, you neck four drinks and then fucking yeah. get on it. All right, we do some <laughs> yeah. shots. We'll find you a girl. You can have a one night stand. That's your punishment for being in work until fucking one in the morning. Like, I think that's, <laughs> that's a big part punishment. of it. Though, right? <laughs> that's a big part of it, isn't it? Like uh, chatting up girls and having sex, basically, is that just most people can't facilitate that when they're sober <laughs> yeah we we, do, we don't do well at talking no without alcohol yeah as as, as a country yeah like I, I i have often thought like if boron jo- boris johnson was like s- absolutely sourced when he was talking like doing a speech it would be hilariously funny to watch him every single time <laughs> yeah but don't we just kind of like we just like it, do you know what I mean? When someone's drunk, like, hey! It's just like, mm. <laughs> we yeah. celebrate it almost. I mean, my grandfather has always said to me, it is like a joke about me, like, hopefully being successful has always been, when you make your first million, then you'll buy me a pint. That's what he's always said to me. Yeah. Mm. Like, since I was a kid. Not, nothing, just a pint. It's always been a pint. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Make your first million, then you buy me a pint. It, like, I feel like that encapsulates... <laughs> A lot of it. Well, it, it. I've had numerous encounters where I've like been at a club and I haven't really been drinking, and there's just mm. been this sort of this stranger nearby who goes, "You're not drinking? No. Why? Yeah. Like you seem they like they seem almost not insulted. Some of them are insulted, but some of them yeah. are just confused. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, why? Why aren't you drinking? What's going on? You know. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're, a, we're an interesting bunch, aren't we? <laughs> we're also old, aren't we? Mm. We're we're an old we're an old people. Yeah. I feel like the, the optimism that you associate with like American youth, we just don't have that over here. It's just like uh, we know we know our lot in life, you know. Yeah. Our optimism is thinking we might get served at the pub at sixteen. Yeah, I think drinking is just like a way of putting up with it until you die. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? Was, uh, it's like, oh yeah. Was, it comes down to to, to this fund like fundamentally is we've had a two week lockdown in Wales. Mm alcohol is listed as an essential item yeah clothes <laughs> clothes are not <laughs> like yeah i get i get that most people will have enough clothes to survive a two-week lockdown but like mm. you know in cardiff you had the 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 situation where period products were like er- it was erroneously <laughs> but erroneously blocked off as not essential but you could buy two bottles of baileys and be absolutely loving life <laughs> i suppose you just don't give a shit whatever you do about yeah. what you don't have yeah. if you're getting pissed you know yeah. like but like you know w- when it comes to working everything around like the big the thing that boosted the economy the most this year was the day the pubs reopened in england yeah like yeah, yeah. but that first weekend the pubs opened in england and the amount of money it made was unbelievable can you imagine if they did like the the eat out to help out scheme but it was on alcohol yeah drink out to help out half the half the country would have just died that had been in yeah. aa meetings by the end of the year it would have been. yeah all those images of like old men sitting in beer gardens when it was pissing down because they, they, they couldn't be inside but like the pubs had just reopened yeah. and like holding their hands over their heads because it was raining <laughs> They're, like drinking their pints they had to be well, out I, you know? I feel like i've told you guys this story i don't ever mention it on the podcast but um the, the the occasion where i walked past my pub 
and there was a group of people sat on one of the tables that was still outside and they were all sat there with glasses that they'd most definitely nicked from the pub on previous occasions drinking <laughs> drinks from the shop that they'd bought so they'd filled up these glasses they just all bought a glass with them and there's nothing to me more British than using stolen glasses with cans from another shop and sitting outside <laughs> the pub. Like to me, that's yeah. that's I've been the amount of times I have been in a beer garden with someone who has bought their own cans and just is topping up because it's cheaper <laughs> is unbelievable. The pub really yeah. is the hearth of like culture, isn't it? Because like yeah. yeah, yeah, like those those people probably could have like gone to like the park or they could have gone. They probably could have stayed at home if some of them were living together. They could have stayed at home and just drunk on their sofa and just be watching TV and chat and like chatting. But they're like, yeah. no, we have to go to the pub. It's not right. It's not proper if we're not drinking outside the pub. That's where we need yeah. to be. Like that's how sort of important it is. I suppose it's just um, it's an ancient forum, isn't it? I mean, it's probably where British people always met, either church or the pub. Yes. So and in those days, and those days, you could have got red wine in the church. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't, that's where people socialised. <laughs> yeah. over mead. Yes, or something. <laughs> yes, and so that's just kind of it's ingrained in our culture now. Yeah. Okay. Well, speaking of lockdown, sort of. Have you guys heard about a new film coming out called Lockdown? There's a film oh. coming out called Lockdown. Go on. What is it? This is the first, the first of I'm sure many to come. Uh, this is the premise. A quarrelling couple make peace in order to take advantage of the COVID-19 pandemic and pull off a jewellery heist at the Harrods department store. It's directed by Doug Lyman, it's written by Stephen Knight, and it stars Anne Hathaway, Stuart Allegiafor, Ben Stiller, Stephen Merchant, and a bunch of other people. Mark, right, okay. Mark Gatiss and Ben Kings, I'm looking at them now, are also on that list. Yeah, Mindy Kaling. We, we, were, we were worried Christ. about this, weren't we? We were. Lucy Boynton is in it. Um, oh, I'll go see it for Lucy Boynton. <laughs> And do they hill, weirdly enough. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Weird little mix. Yeah. Yeah, I just... Uh, uh, I don't want it. You know? I mean, if it's... If, like, COVID-19 is the, the springboard for the story, like, it's actually just a funny heist film or, like, a dramatic heist film, but COVID is, like, the thing that starts the plot, I, I, I'll, I'll live with it. Yes, fair enough, but it is called Lockdown. Yeah. So you gotta think it's gonna be more. Oh, they'll definitely you know, push it as like a. Oh, this is a COVID film. They'll they're definitely yeah. gonna push that angle. The first full on COVID film. Yeah. Because there've been a few little TV shows that have tried to do it. What was that um, show with uh, David Tennant and Staged? Yeah. Thingy. Michael Sheen. Michael Sheen. That's the one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Staged, which was all recorded over Skype during lockdown, and yeah. it is literally yeah. just them. The show is there just in isolation. Yeah. They're yeah. self-isolating and talking. That's literally the show. Yeah. Yeah, there's been a few other shows or like films that are, that have um been made in lockdown conditions. Yeah. There was a like an HBO film, I can't remember the name of it now. Uh yeah, there've been a couple. I just don't want it to become the trend. I feel like it's going to be feel, the trend. It's going to be. Yeah. The trend. I know. This is definitely the start of something. There's no way yeah. that this is going to be the anomaly. Yeah. I like the com- I I was wondering about that because they, there's so many commercials now. I know you don't really watch TV anymore, Sam. Nor you, mm. I don't think, Eddie. I will say, um, yeah. Unless it's so unless it's Great British Bake Off, I probably have more some live TV. <laughs> in a okay, very so long you still time. see commercials a little bit through yeah. Bake Off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's there's loads of commercials. Um where they're filmed on mobile phones or they're filmed over Skype. Yes. And I'm just wondering, like, how much of their advertising costs gone down and whether that's something they're going to stick to, whether they're going to stick to, like, 
mobile phone footage or because like oh we we were like we hired this guy we filmed it on this phone it cost us like what a hundred quid to do this commercial rather than mm. the like hundreds of thousands we would have been spending on it before yeah if it's cost um, if it's cost effective for sure absolutely yeah i like the ones that are more creative about it have you seen the ee advert with kevin bacon where he's selling the new iphone which one but it's him like it's him sitting in a cafe yeah uh, sort yes, of like I have seen that yeah obsessing over this iphone and then there's a guy standing outside the window in the rain staring at him yeah like that's obviously filmed in such a way that it obeys social distancing rules mm. but be- the way it's filmed you don't even think of that when you're watching the commercial yeah it wasn't until afterwards i realized oh yeah it was probably that's probably why they did it but it looks like a proper commercial so i prefer stuff like that that's sort of like creative about how it gets around it yeah you know all these productions that are that are still filming during lockdown there's no way they can be abiding social distancing protocols oh, is there not, well no. i i know what eastenders is doing what are they doing so obviously eastenders has a lot of couples uh they were doing more scenes where people were stood further apart yeah but in scenes where people would usually the actors would usually be close with each other they've got like a real life partner comes in and does like that and stuff like that right and they reasoned that was better than just stopping it. <laughs> I would have much preferred if they just stopped making EastEnders. Well, Hollyoaks, Hollyoaks stopped. Hollyoaks' solution seemed to be to have two of the characters sitting on a couch going, hello, this is Hollyoaks. We're now going to play some footage from from Hollyoaks. Are they Welsh? Oh, whatever Hollyoaks is. I don't know where Hollyoaks is. It's not Wales. They're young and they have an accent. I don't know where they're from. <laughs> Okay. That was my pan accent accent. It, it, okay. It's, it's set in Chester, George. Chester. Chester. Okay. <laughs> What's what, what what does Chester sound like? Uh, a, know, a, Chester North. A more northern version of me. Yeah. <laughs> is it basically Manchester? It's near enough. Yeah. Or is that like a faux pas? Is that like saying no, oh, no, Canada is no, basically America? No, no, they're close enough. They're close enough. Go on, then, George. Give us your your Chester. Oh, please, please do a Manchester accent. I can't. I genuinely, I can't. I, you know, I genuinely can't remember what Manchester people sound. They sound like. like Liam Gallagher. Liam Gallagher. Or Noel Gallagher. Noel Gallagher. Just say Araita. Manchester. <laughs> Just say Araita, kid. Araita, kid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Manchester. Oh, oh, do you know what? I, I, I can leave happy now. I've had George <laughs> say Araita, kid, on a podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. What's another thing that Manchester people say? Give us me money. <laughs> <laughs> You give me money, more, all right? That's kid. more Scouse, though, wasn't it? Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, that was more yeah. Scouse. Than... Give, give me money? Yeah, that's Liverpool. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know, yeah, what is a Mancunian thing to say? Our kid, that's definitely a Mancunian thing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I have no idea. Uh, Eddie, you would know more about this than I do. I know, and, and the, other than saying things like glory, glory, Man United, or whatever the Manchester <laughs> City theme is, I can't think of what people shout during the middle of the street. Our, our kid is the, is the one thing that I remember because I I always remember being in Piccadilly train station and someone shouting, oh, all right, our kid. And so many people turned around, <laughs> like <laughs> trying to see who was talking as if like they knew. Other, yeah, other, that is like, I think the most synonymous phrase with Manchester. Yeah. Okay. All right. And I've just butchered it. Massively. Absolutely massively. Okay. Totally worth it. So yeah, lockdown, stop it. Yeah, stop being a thing, please. I mean, and just... all of the films that are going to follow in its wake, stop being a film. Stop being a thing. Yeah. No, 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 stop being a film. That's that's good enough. Yeah, they'll do. <laughs> well, the thing is, I think most people probably long for 
a return to normalcy, don't they? Yeah. yeah. So, like, you know, when, if, well, it, it is when, but when we emerge from the mire of this uh, situation, people aren't going to want to watch films about COVID or set during COVID. They're going to want to just get back to normal. Yeah, of course. Basically ignore it. But I think that's going to run contra to what most writers, the, the the instinct of most writers to to write contemporary stories. Also, I don't think we have enough distance from COVID for someone to have something to say that people don't already know. Yeah, that it's a it's bit not as hard. If, yeah, it's not as if you're going to grant us a fresh perspective on COVID. We all pretty much know how we all feel yeah. about it. Yeah. Like, I- how long did it take after World War II ended for them to make films about World War II? I don't know. Quite. No, was, I mean, like, was obviously while, Schindler's like List is ridiculous. Like, you know, there's, there's films that came before Schindler's mm. List, but that was, like, way off after World War II, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that probably did have the benefit of hindsight and also, well, mainly just the benefit of hindsight. It's like, oh, I mm. have, we have enough distance from this event that we can look at it through a specific lens now. Or we yeah. Can, like have a different perspective on it the thing Um, for for me is i just i can see that there's going to be like 20 writers all in like one street and they are all going to sat there and go oh do you know what's a unique angle on uh on the pandemic a story about mental health in the pandemic yeah and and we're gonna get the same story over and over again oh my god what if like this 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 couple were like living together right and they and they broke up and they were about to move out but then like lockdown happens and they have to like live with each other yeah like wouldn't that be just like like, oh that'd be great yeah i just um i don't know it's uh that is lost my thread that's <laughs> that that silence sums up our opinion it was such a horrible <laughs> idea eddie that sam lost all capacity to think for a moment i did that's su- that sums um, up why you shouldn't make a lockdown film writers that are listening <laughs> because sam a genius will lose the ability to think uh no i i just think that um the only like with world war Two, there's enough variety of stories to be told about that and perspectives i mean covid everyone has their own experience with it but what is there to be what stories are there to be told about it with world war Two, we still don't really know the full extent of what happened there mm. with covid because of the way the world is now we know everything about everything now yeah and so there's nothing to be discovered about any of this uh, there have been a few documentaries about it that's fine documentaries yeah. are acceptable but there's no story to tell. Do you know, it just it's a virus. It's Yeah, most people's stories of COVID was, oh, I stayed at home. Yeah. Like I kept going I had to my a job cough. or I got fired from my job and I stayed at home. Yeah, like that's it. Yeah. The I will accept one film about COVID and that is like the tell all biopic 10 years in the future. Yeah. That's like a proper like what happened film. Yeah. Yeah. Do we have anything else to talk about? I don't, I don't think uh, we do. I don't have anything else. Oh, I mean, I did have... I haven't talked about Rebecca at all. Oh, no. <laughs> well, this is your last chance, so... Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> I like how we just completely forgot about, like... I, I well, purposely you, watched You're them. the one with the list, Eddie. <laughs> you're the yeah, one I know, and I purposely yeah. didn't have it up um, <laughs> for the, the last well, got three our, topics. Our last item can be Eddie, your review. Okay. So there is a new version of Rebecca. Uh, it's Rebecca. 
that's on Netflix. It, it was a book by Daphne du Maurier, uh, which in 1940, in like, well, it's 1941, he won the Oscar for it. Uh, but 1940s, it was directed by Hitchcock in what was a best winning feature film, which okay. it, it is very, it's a very good film. Is it considered um, like quintessential Hitchcock? It's, it's up there. It's one of, because it's the, it's the only film of his that he directed that won an Oscar for like best picture but yeah like he it it is very good the black and white definitely helps like bring the intensity in some of the moments uh it's very it is well well written in terms of adaptation it's well directed obviously Mm -hmm. so to sort of go from that and like even in like 1997 there was like a tv i think it's german tv version of uh the book which was you know had its like unique thing and then you get this Mm -hmm. which its only real unique thing is that it's shot in colour. Yeah. It's not particularly greatly acted. It's not particularly well written. And so is it's it's sort of it sounds like your typical remake where it's Yeah. Of, here's a property that has some like staying power to it. Let's just sort of redo it, yeah, it like, for a modern audience. They shoved Lily James and Army Hammer in it, who like Lily James is a fairly decent name to put in a film le- at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh it's directed by Ben Wheatley. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's just, it's not great. It's really not great. And my biggest issue was it does fall into that character. There's nothing really unique about it. Um, and if you're going to remake a film or, you know, remake something, like do something with it. Like actually like have some fun with the story. Don't just go, what's basically a colour version of the one that won an Oscar. Let's do that. It's a strange film to remake if you're not going to do anything new with it. Yeah. It's not like everyone knows Rebecca. Like, you know, obviously they're going to remake Rebecca at some point. <laughs> it's not one of those films. Yeah. So it is bizarre to be remade with no invention or imagination whatsoever. I haven't seen it, but um, yeah, I, 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 that's what I've heard. I mean, yeah, I honestly, I wouldn't like recommend it. No. In comparison. What's your relationship with Rebecca, Eddie? Why why were you compelled to watch the two and compare them and, and sort of keep, uh, up, I keep could, up with it? Because I'm a Hitchcock fan. So because I'm a Hitchcock fan and I knew that that was the film that had won the best picture... Like I was like, okay, I, I want to see what they're doing with it now. See whether they've come up with something interesting for it, and like they haven't. That that I you know it's got. Um, I'm trying to find the actress's name now. Uh, Kristen Scott Thomas. Yeah, she plays Mrs. Danvers. Mrs. Right? Danvers, probably the best bit about it. Okay, well, Mrs. Danvers is one of the all-time iconic villains of cinema. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know the name Rebecca, but I knew the name Mrs. Danvers. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, she she Kristen Scott Thomas is fairly like she's probably the best performance out of the lot. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't say that that is saying much. Okay. Um. So uh, yeah, it's it's for me, it's just it's a big old shame because I was kind of hoping it would be a bit exciting given some of the cast, but it's really not. How faithful an adaptation is it of? Well, is it adapting the book or is it adapting the film? So it's adapting the book, but it is basically like there there are moments where you can see what shot they've they, they it feels like they've looked at the old film and seen what shot they made and then gone okay. well if we position our shot so it's the same location but slightly different mm. we can get away with not being a shot for shot remake. Right. Well, I was saying okay. it's got pedigree to it, you know. It's got Ben Wheatley directing, Army Hammer, Lily James, Kristen Scott Thomas. Yep. Who who wrote it? Uh, Jane Goldman. Okay, so she, yeah, she's written some a couple yeah. of good films. She's Jonathan Ross's wife, I believe. Yes. Uh, she wrote Kick Ass. 
yeah. and Stardust. Yeah, so she's written some good films. Uh, yeah, so it's, it is it uh, is a shame. But then again, I suppose to be expected in a way. Like, you're not, they weren't going to one-up Rebecca. No, but I, I just, I, I think I wanted something, you know, if you're going to, as much as I don't like films that necessarily do this, if you're going to remake Rebecca now, set it now. Don't, where where it was set when it was made in the 40s. Oh, is it the yeah. same, it's set in the same time period? Yep. Is it? Yeah, completely right, okay. same time period. And that that's the thing, like, that's why I say it doesn't do anything really spectacular, you know, if they'd done a modern update in some way where it was smart about the modern update they'd done, I would have been like, meh, do you know what? Fair enough. Yeah. Do you think that's a product of, like, if it ain't if it ain't broke, don't fix it? Or do you think they were too scared to make any changes to Rebecca? Because it is very strange that, like, every the way you're describing it to me doesn't sound like, apart from the performances and, like you said, the fact that it's obviously filmed with modern tech it doesn't sound like anything at all has changed i i'm gonna say it's the if it ain't broke don't fix it approach but i don't really get i I don't get i suppose they've just done a straight up adaptation of the book haven't they when was the book written uh the book was written uh it came out in 1938 okay and the film was like 1940 right yeah yeah they probably did that then they probably just said rather than an homage to the film necessarily it's just a straight up adaptation of the book Mm. But yeah, the problem is we've already had the film. Yes, and yes. it was a film directed by Hitchcock, which is always difficult to go up against. Yes, and again, it you know it was going up against a, a version which had won Best Picture, mm-hmm. and that that was always going to be again hard to, to do. I've heard that it uh, one of its apparent pluses is that it gives more agency to the Lily James character or something like yeah, that. Yeah, uh, there's there's probably a bit more to her like there's a there's a bit so for for context of the story there she basically finds out that he is responsible kind of responsible for the death of rebecca who is the former mrs de winter yes and in the in the actual book uh he legitimately kills her Mm -hmm. with both film adaptations it's kind of loosely he was involved but not necessarily the guilty party right and that's like the one thing that gets has been changed in both but yeah, in this, like, when they find out that she's gone to a doctor's in London, Lily James's character goes to London herself and, like, goes off on to, like, try and find out the information, make sure someone doesn't, like, change the inf- doctor the information or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And that's that's not in the original. That's a unique experience. But I don't, like... Not enough. It's, it's not enough. And, yeah, you know, I just think there was more you could have done with it. Like overall, the film just doesn't justify itself. Yeah, it, it, it completely it completely doesn't justify itself at all. Surely it seems like that's to. like that would be your compulsion as a filmmaker. Surely it's like right, I'm adapting a book that already has an Oscar-winning adaptation. Yeah, what am I going to do that's different? I've never understood the, this impulse to remake good films. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Remake a remake a film that was bad that that had you know potential i think that th- has that ever been done well i was gonna say even if it had so like you know with disney they've done the modern the modern remakes of like the lion king and stuff like that the, the unique angle with that is it's now a live action yes. so you've got like something there whether it's good or not is a different matter yeah, yeah but yeah, you've yeah. got something yeah. there the unique difference between these two films is that one is in color and one is in black and white yes yeah that's about it in my in my opinion yeah well can we think of a film that was bad that got remade and it was good there, there must be examples of it there must be 
but I genuinely can't think of any. Yeah. Because, yeah, I, I, that is a, I've heard that idea suggested before. Because surely that's the more, not, not just the more productive thing to do, but that's the more challenging thing to do as a filmmaker. It's like, right, here is this property or here is this film that has a bad reputation mm-hmm. and is fundamentally flawed. What can I do to fix it? Yeah, exactly. But no, I guess it's just, if we, if we remake something that was popular, it'll be popular. And so we can make money. That seems to be the trend now with um, re-adaptations or remakes. Is It's basically the same, but any women characters have more agency. That seems yes. to be the trend. Yeah. The thing that modernizes it. Yeah, to go back to the Disney, the Disney example, Eddie. Yeah. All of the Disney remakes have done that. They've given the female leads more songs, you know? Yeah. Or, or, made, yeah, or made a guy gay. Yeah. Yeah. Supposedly. I, t- I tell you what, I know what you could argue. Ocean, what? the Ocean's Eleven with yeah, um, okay, yeah, George Clooney and that. Yes, that was that that is, that is reviewed better than uh, the old version. Yes, but uh, yeah, other than that, no idea. Not Ocean's Eight though, right? Oh God, no. <laughs> <laughs> that was terrible. Well, it, it's been a pleasure, gents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's suddenly very sad. Yeah, I don't want to go now. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's no it's been an absolute pleasure um i will be av- avidly listening from this point onwards yes um to hear what you guys uh churn out for w- without me no doubt will be about seven hours worth of audio <laughs> yeah well you're always welcome back of course yes thank you um, um but yeah uh, un- until now it's a, it's a farewell to you guys and a farewell to the audience so, ciao, ciao. <laughs> <laughs> oh, grow, grow uh, a pair, we, you when, soppy when bastard. Locked, when lockdown ends, we all gather and have a drink over our achievements so far. <laughs> <laughs> well, mine, mine, mine will be a soft drink, but yeah. <laughs> yes, as a send-off. Yes. Right, okay, yes. let's, not, let's not cry too much. No, we're, 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 uh, gonna, we're, we're dragging out for the listeners now. Yes. They, they, they okay. forgot about this five minutes in when we started chatting shit. They did. <laughs> All right, yeah. bye, Eddie. Bye. Bye, Eddie. <laughs> bye. Bye. Bye, listeners. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>